a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we are talking about panic selling your stocks, especially if it affects your retirement savings. So joining me today is Dr. Francesca Ortegren. She's a data science with Clever Real Estate. So welcome back to the show, Francesca. Thanks for having me again. All right. When the pandemic started, one of the first things we all saw was people hoarding toilet paper and canning jars and anything they could get a hold of because they thought the world was coming to an end and they wouldn't have access to any of this. But some people sold their stocks and it came out of their retirement savings. So I guess, first of all, let's address the behavior of why do some people do this, hoarding or selling when they really shouldn't? Well, I think a lot of it comes out of fear. So both of these, we don't exactly know what to expect at the beginning of a pandemic. Most people haven't lived through a global pandemic, so they don't know really what's coming and what to anticipate. So things like stockpiling toilet paper might be a way to kind of feel more comfortable about the potential of like, oh, maybe stores are going to close and I'm never going to be able to go into a store or uh, the same thing with like buying a bunch of frozen food or, or trying to can your own food. You just don't know what the opportunities are going to be in the future. So that's kind of, I think, just out of the unknown. And with things like selling stock, there's a little bit more nuance there. It is related to, to fear of the unknown, but I think we've had kind of more experience in recent years of recessions. So we think back to 2008, that recession hit people really hard and it lasted uh, quite a while, kind of relatively long time. And so people were financially hurt for a long time after the recession. And it took a long time to kind of get back to pre-recession levels for a lot of people in terms of their finances. So adults who lived through that might be kind of responding to, oh, the last time this happened, I either regret what I did do or, you know, maybe I didn't sell my stocks and I feel like I should have or I did sell my stocks and it worked out well for me. So I'm going to do that again. So it could be a rational thought there. But more often, people are just afraid of losses. So we are really loss averse as humans. Um, there's a theory in psychology and economics called prospect theory. Um, and it's basically this idea that we feel losses a lot more. So they kind of suck a lot more for us than wins are good. So we try to avoid losses more than we try to go for wins. So when we see a potential loss in the future, most people are going to try to avoid that loss and, and kind of pull out before they do experience a loss, which can lead to a lot of that panic selling that we saw with the stock. 
yeah. early on. Is there a way for people to maybe, re- especially when it comes to if you're going to dip into your retirement savings, is there a way that we can help people recognize that panic thought? Because in my mind, it's kind of that same thing, like we said earlier about the fear. Can you like recognize your fear and before you do something that may affect you negatively in the future, that you can put a hold button on that for a minute and think it through a little better before you do it? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's definitely this differentiation between kind of this immediate panic, like what am I going to do in the moment and sitting down and thinking about things a little bit more logically and purposefully. Obviously, you can't, well, maybe you can now with apps and things. Taking money out of the stock market is a little easier than it used to be. But taking the time to really think about, you know, which stocks do you want to take from, which retirement accounts do you want to take from, and being more deliberate and not reactive in your decision can help you kind of get away from that fear and and that mindset and really think about the long-term consequences of taking money out of your retirement accounts, for example. Um and in the moment, I think that that's, that's hard to do, but it is the smart way to go about it. As for like what people can do right now to avoid that kind of behavior in the future, really understanding your own risk tolerance is something that people should do um, before they even start investing in risky things like the stock market. So myself, for example, I'm kind of low risk tolerance. I don't like uh, risky investments. It stresses me out. So I tend to invest my retirement money in less risky accounts. Um, and I have a more diverse portfolio so that if my slightly riskier investments do lead to losses, I have kind of fallback and other money in, in different places. People who are a little bit more risky or risk tolerant might have more money, say, in the stock market. It's a little bit more risky, but might lead to a higher return. So if you are not risk tolerant, you probably shouldn't have a ton of money, you know, put away in the stock market, um, because then you're going to be more likely to react maybe in fear or uh, kind of trying to avoid that stress of losing money right. than someone who who can handle it a little bit better. And that's just kind of a personality thing. That's just, you know, it's going to vary by individuals. And you can take uh, like little uh, quizzes and tests online to kind of understand your own risk tolerance. So I definitely think that that's something people should do before they start saving for retirement. So early on, and it's something you should assess as you continue working and maybe each year or each couple of years, because it'll change, you know, depending on your personal financial situation um, in the time and, and, you know, just learning over time how stocks and how investments work, um, I think kind of helps people feel a little bit more comfortable or less comfortable maybe with risk, depending on how you react to that type of thing. Right. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of the first step. And people can do that right now if they haven't already done it to hopefully maybe understand their the way that they might react in the future. Yeah, because it's not just only based on your own personal feelings about risk or, you know, being risk averse. It depends also how far away from actual retirement you are. So if you started really early, you have a much better chance, no matter where you put your investments of that growing over, you know, the 40 year, 50 year time period before you retire. But if you are only 10 years away from retirement, you may want to start pulling back, as you said, some of those riskier investments, because now you want to protect what you already have 
and you don't want any more money that you're putting into it to possibly be affected badly. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's that personal feeling along with how far you are. So it's kind of relative to your age or how much you or how long you've been saving for retirement, how far away from retirement you are. Yeah. Okay. We do need to take a break. When we come back, I okay. do, I do want to talk about if anybody had pulled money out of their retirement, what can they do? And looking at the research, a lot of people, more than I expected, actually did pull money out of the retirement over this last year. So we'll be right back with Dr. Francesca Ortegren. She is a data scientist with Clever Real Estate. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that if it affects your life in any way, money-wise, we're talking about it. And today we're talking about your retirement fund, which may have been upended if you pulled money out of it over the last year because you lost your job or didn't have enough money coming in during the pandemic. Joining me today is Dr. Francesca Ortegren. She's a data scientist with Clever Real Estate. So, Francesca, in the last segment, we just went over why people sometimes what I'm calling panic sell and maybe some of the things people can do to not do that in the future if we have any more serious issues. But I was looking at the data that came out from Clever Real Estate, and it shows 35% of Americans dipped into their retirement savings. In fact, they spent nearly 50% of their savings. Now, if I only had $150,000 in there to begin with and I spent half of it, that only leaves me $75,000 and I'm 10 years from retirement. Right. Yeah. Um, so like you said, 35% said that they dipped into their retirement savings, which was much higher than we anticipated. Uh, we knew that people had been struggling through the pandemic and that there were some fees that were waived if you did it from retirement a little early um, because of the pandemic in some cases. So we figured that some people would have been dipping into retirement, but over a third of, of the people we questioned about this, we surveyed, said that they did, and that was really astonishing to us and kind of concerning. Um, that, that tells me a few things. One, that people don't have nearly enough saved up for emergencies. Um, so people who lost their job ran out of their emergency savings really quickly and then kind of had to make a choice that they probably didn't want to make. I doubt many people want to pull from their retirement, especially if you're close to retirement age, and that they were spending a, a big portion of that retirement, so 44% of the retirement savings on average, which either means that people are spending a great deal of money from their retirement accounts, or more likely they didn't have very much saved in retirement to begin with. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, both of those are problematic, <laughs> but... Uh, and can have long-term lasting effects, especially if you're close to retirement age. I know like a an IRA will let you, once you're over 55 years of age, you can start putting in more money into it than people who are younger than 55. But that's still, it's only, the max right now is only $7,000 for people over 55. And 
over a 10-year period, that $7,000, if you're even able to contribute that much each year, is still not going to be enough to make up for that money if I'm one of the people that spent half of my retirement savings. So how does right. how do we make or can we? I mean, is there any way to make that up? It's going to be tough um, because, like you said, there are limits on how much you can contribute. Um, and until you actually make up the amount that you took out, you're also missing out on any interest that you would have earned during that time. So if it takes you five years to make up that money that you took out, that's five years you could have been earning interest on that money as well. So it, it's hard to catch up. There are ways that people can start saving in different types of accounts. Um, people can put money in more risky accounts like we were talking about before with stocks. So kind of non-traditional, quote, retirement money, maybe outside of a retirement account specifically, people can start saving and, you know, it, with the purpose of keeping that for retirement. But it, it's going to be difficult for many people, especially those who, who took out about half of their savings to cash back up. For younger people, millennials or people in their late 20s, they can probably catch up over time. Uh, they might not end up with as much money at retirement that they would have otherwise. But um, the further you are away from retirement, the more likely it is that you can make that up. Or it's not quite as stressful to try to make it up in, you know, 30 years as it is 10 or 5. But people who are closer to retirement are probably not going to be able to make it up completely. Um, and so they might fall a little short of what they anticipated. I think this would be a good time, especially if you're younger, if you've got a bit more time to really reemphasize having not only a thousand dollar emergency fund, which is sort of bare minimum for if, you know, your tires go out or you need a new water heater or something, but to also put aside up to six months worth of income for if you have like a pandemic, but you don't even need a pandemic. I mean, sometimes businesses just, they file bankruptcy and you may be out of work for several months before you find another job. So it's important to have that six months of income on top of a separate emergency fund. And so now may be the time to reemphasize to people, hey, get that going and then work on your, on your retirement and getting that fulfilled so that you don't have to dip into it if something happens again in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, that emergency savings, that six months income is really important. We we saw that over the last year. And while that was more widespread than we would typically see, it's possible that we would hit another recession in the future or people just lose their jobs for, for reasons, um, you know, many reasons, like you mentioned. So people could be out of work without having that expectation. and. Typically, unemployment just doesn't cover most people's expenses. So um, having that safety net is really important. So what else can people do to help make up for their retirements if they've dipped into it in the last year because of the pandemic? Yeah, so saving, maybe just pulling back on expenses for the next couple of years. I know that that's kind of hard, especially if people are living paycheck to paycheck. And that's really who, you know, was most impacted by the um pandemic or people kind of on, on the lower end of the income spectrum. But, you know, little things can really add up, even as silly as it sounds to like, oh, just pull back on some of your expenses. Um, maybe if you have, you know, like many of us do have 10 different subscriptions for, for different streaming services, just figure out which ones are the most important and then you can save, you know, $20, $50 a month, which will add up really quickly and help you kind of get back to where you were previously. 
And I know a lot of younger people are really um, into the, the side hustle, so having some kind of income, uh, whether it be passive or active income on the side outside of their main job. That really helps people who who are earning less kind of stay ahead or stay on top of their savings and their bills without necessarily having to put in the work of two jobs. So um, something like passive income um, can help with that as well if people have the opportunity for that. Yeah. And with it, the last year with the um, working remotely kicked into high gear, I think it's going to be much easier for people to find that second source of income on the internet, especially to, to help supplement. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are, um, a lot of people who work remotely do tend to look for, uh, kind of moonlighting positions where they work at nights or weekends remotely as well. So they're putting in more hours that they can earn, you know, one and a half to two times as much as they're earning at their main job and, uh, kind of overall. And so it's a good way to get extra income if you are okay with that type of work-life balance, if you're okay with putting in way more hours to your multiple jobs or job and side hustles uh, um, than you are to kind of the non-working hours of your day. And I would say if you have kids that are old enough, I know it's sort of old school, but have them go around the neighborhood and, you know, mow people's lawns for five or 10 bucks so they can help with if they keep bugging, mom, can I have this or that? And it's not ne a necessity for their living. Have them do that so you don't feel guilty about either not giving it to them because you don't have enough money to provide it for them or dipping into your your utility bill so you can give them what you give the child what they're asking for. So have the kids start earning a little bit of an income. So if they really want something, they've got to go pay for it themselves. Absolutely. And, you know, little jobs like that for kids um, are really great for getting them out of the house. They learn about money earlier. And, you know, kids really start to understand, like, the value of a dollar when they have to earn it. And I think that teaching that financial knowledge early on in life is going to help people, once they're entering the workforce, they'll have a better understanding of money in general, how to save it, how to spend it. So those types of activities for kids can help beyond just helping out financially as well. Wait, Francesca, is there anything else we need to know about or learn about for people who may have dipped into their retirement funds over during the pandemic and need help getting back on their feet? I think we covered most of it. But yeah, just as soon as it's possible, start putting more money into that retirement savings. So start contributing again as soon as you can. If you stop, uh, contribute more if you can um, to try to catch back up. And if you're looking for a new job, ask about retirement contributions from your employer. Some some employers do maybe match your retirement contributions, um, and that's a good perk to have if, if it's an option. All right. Dr. Francesca Ortegren, you are a data scientist with Clever Real Estate. Thank you so much for helping us understand ways we can stop panic selling or even hoarding for that matter. And also <laughs> how we can catch up if we've dipped into our retirement funds. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. 
Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.